Hi everybody and welcome to Chapter 2's latest edition of the Talent Ed podcast. Uh, our podcast is an opportunity to interview leaders from the HR, um, employer brand and recruitment industries and um, it's just an opportunity to discuss the state of the current job market um, and the future of, uh, of recruitment and employer branding. Um, and we are really excited today to speak with Tom Denny, the head of people um, at Kodat. Um, Kodat, through their single API, provide real-time connectivity to the financial software used by SMEs. And to make their lives easier, uh, they create an ecosystem of completely connected software and services. Uh, Kodat have had an extremely strong year in terms of growth. Um, and have uh, are now currently sitting at around 100 employees. So we're so excited uh, to speak to Tom today uh, to, and to understand how, how they've achieved it, some of the successes and some of the challenges that they've experienced along the way. A big welcome to Tom Denny, who joins us today from Kodat. Uh, Tom is the head of people at Kodat. And um, so I've already uh, obviously introduced you um, and and uh, the work that you've been doing at Kodat, but um, I don't think I've necessarily done it justice. So um, a big focus for us here at Chapter Two and uh, with the Talent Ed podcast um, is is uh, a chance for us to bring industry leaders from the recruitment, um, uh, HR, uh, employer branding landscape in. Um, just to talk a little bit more about their experiences, your experiences um, and your insight um, into, you know, your world and what it's been like to to um, scale over the last uh, few years. So um, we work with larger corporations, but a big focus for us as well is to work with scaling companies um, from seed stage onwards um, and, and sort of give them some um, some guidance and some insight into what they need to think about when they're they're scaling their teams, you know, whether it be um, the people that they need to bring into their business, uh, the processes that they might need to uh, implement, um, and also, you know, technology as well, uh, I'm sure plays a big part in that. Um, so Kodat, as we were saying, has had a very uh, busy year, and um, there's some great accolades to you and the team there. So um, you've obviously been named as one of the Otter Rocket List uh, top 50 uh, fastest growing companies in London in 2021, which is fantastic. Um, you've received over 15 million pounds worth of funding uh, since 2020, which is huge. Um, you've more than doubled in size in terms of headcount, um, now sitting at 118 employees, which is great. And um, of course, you have uh, launched the US operation in New York as well. So a busy year, considering that there's also been a, a global pandemic. It sounds like you've had a lot going on. Um, so, yeah, do you want to just kind of give us a bit of an intro to you and uh, to Koda and what you've been up to over the last year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, good intro there. Um, <laughs> so uh, well, let, let me start with Kodat. Um, we are a fintech organization headquartered in London, but as you mentioned, with now an office in New York, uh, and we also have a, a very small team in San Francisco as well now. Um, we build a single API that integrates directly with 
uh, all mainstream accounting platforms with the premise of enabling small businesses' financial data to flow freely into financial service providers. Our customers are those financial service providers, whether they be banks, lenders, payment providers, etc. Um, and what we're doing is enabling them to build future-proof products upon the data infrastructure that we're providing to provide a better landscape for their small business customers. And um, I often talk about how I think that we're unique as a startup in many ways, uh, but one in that we are genuinely solving a real world problem with our product. Uh, we're not yeah. a company that's identified a shiny piece of tech like AI and try to find a product market fit. We actually identified a problem first and then built a solution to it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've seen such uh, quick growth and quick success uh, as a business. Um, our product is unnecessarily complex and I don't want to bore you too much by going into it. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but hopefully that's enough. Um, uh, intro to me, um, I had a really varied background since leaving university. Um, studied graphic design and then decided never to do anything with that ever again. Uh, did 10 years working in, uh, in retail management for various companies uh, and then decided about six or so years ago to have a complete shift in, in my career uh, and actually moved into recruitment, starting right at the bottom again uh, moving into the city and working for uh, a pretty large recruitment organization specializing in technology recruitment. Uh, did that for, for almost three years and uh, built up a, a lovely network of, of customers that I worked very closely with uh, and one of those customers happened to be Kodat um, and, and that relationship came about by kind of pure chance. Uh, our now head of engineering um, was Kodak's first employee and Jason is married to a very old school friend of my other half. So I've known Jason for a very long time. Uh, and funny enough, when I went into recruitment, um, called him up and I said, I, I'm going to be specializing in C-sharp engineers. Do you know anything about C-sharp engineers? Because I knew he was a, a software engineer of some sort. And he said, yeah, I am a C-sharp engineer. So I used to <laughs> buy him beers after work and he used to teach me about C-sharp so I could be more knowledgeable when speaking to candidates. So when he then joined Kodak and the founder said, do you know any recruiters that know what they're talking about? He said, funny enough, I know a guy who knows everything. <laughs> I, I taught him myself. Taught him. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that happened so um i met them when there was only four of the guys here um and uh and i left that first meeting thinking i don't even think these guys are going to pay an invoice is this going to actually work out uh, to yeah. a, a kind of a two-year relationship growing the team up to about 24 people um and after doing that for a while um to my surprise was then approached by the founders and asked if i wanted to come on board permanently to help lead the, the growth of the organization. Funnily enough, the, the, the kind of the premise of me joining was really to bring recruitment in-house, um, to manage those processes, to help us to, to continue to scale at, at, at pace. Um, however, actually it came to light very, very quickly that only about 20% of what I was going to be doing was, was looking at that recruitment piece because there was so much on the people side that hadn't been looked at for the, the first two years of the business growing. We were still very small. Our, our kind of official slash unofficial HR manager was our CTO. Um, and I think he had been kind of lumped that position um, uh, with, with a kind of no choice of his own. Um, 
So quite quickly found that I needed to, to do a lot of operational side of stuff as well. So that's kind of how I, I got to where I am today. Uh, kind of an interesting swap of, of going from recruitment to having a, a real focus on, on kind of people operation side. And, um, and it's been a, a really fun couple of years um, because I definitely would be the first to admit that I, I kind of fell into people. I've never done HR or people before, um, but um, I, I really enjoy it. It's something that I, um, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, if this is where I thought I'd end up, I've, I would never have suspected it, but I'm, I'm very, very pleased that I am. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, from uh, from all of the sort of scaling companies, startups, scale ups that we work with, really, um, a lot of the time, the, the feedback that we hear from them is it's about being agile. And it sounds like it was very similar for you as well. You know, when you're working in that environment, you may not have um, a fixed department or, or role, really, because actually you've got to be able to be a bit more fluid and, and work kind of, uh, you know, with the, the greater goal in mind um, and, and make sure that you can pivot with that. So it sounds like it was a similar a similar case for you, um, but that it's taken you to, to a good place in terms of, you know, where you wanted to be. Um, so just going back to that time, you said 24 people uh, when you first came in-house um, at Coda. And what was the, what was the sort of feeling um, within the company then? I mean, that's still relatively small in comparison to where you're at now. So how, does that, how did that feeling kind of start? And then we can kind of have a look into how that's evolved um, up to 118 employees now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so funnily enough, when I joined, we just moved into our, our current office, um, which I think is, is about three, three and a half times bigger than the, the previous office. So we felt like we were kind of rattling around quite a big <laughs> space suddenly. Um, so much so that we hadn't even kind of put all the desks in because there just wasn't even any need for this. So we just had this huge floor, empty floor spaces and um, definitely felt kind of a bit more grown up suddenly. Um, we're on the, the very top floor of, of a, a building and I, I joke that we've got the penthouse suite, yeah, um, but yeah. it, it feels that way. And um, uh, yeah, it felt like a small startup. It really did at that point. Um, I had never worked for a sort of sized business before. I'd worked for huge organizations like Apple um, in the past. So it was very different for me to, um, to suddenly be in an organization where there was only 24 other people in that room. Um, but what was really lovely about being in a team that size is you know, hugely collaborative. Um, you know, I often talk about how there's no one at Kodak that's saying, that's not my job. It's, it's always, you know, what can I do more to help? And um, that was you know, really, really prevalent at that point. You know, we didn't have an IT function or uh, office managers or anything like that. So, you know, I was often crawling around on the floor, installing people's PCs to make sure that when they joined us, they were all set up or, or making sure that we had fruit and milk being ordered and the cleaners were set up to come in each week and you know, all these random things that you know, aren't necessarily what you signed up to do, but there's no one else going to do it. That's just the yeah, nature yeah. of a startup. You just have to crack on and, and be useful for everybody else. Yeah. Um, it was super fun. And, and, and um, but that, that didn't last very long, funnily enough, because we, I came on board just as we'd uh, been awarded a five million pound grant through the government's BCR um, capability and innovation fund. Um, and, you know, what part of that kind of the money that we'd received there was, um, us saying we were going to accelerate our roadmap, 
dramatically uh, and really for us what that looked like was hire lots of people to do lots of work faster so I, I joined in July 2019 and by Christmas we'd doubled in size uh, so it's about six months so uh, and uh, and I, maybe it's prevalent in my mind because it was the last Christmas party we had which feels bizarre to say but <laughs> I still remember that our CEO Pete stood up and did a, a really lovely little speech at that Christmas dinner and said that he couldn't believe that the Christmas party previous had been eight of us and now there was 42 of us um, and that felt like a mad year to have had um, but that was very exciting um, and you know growing from 24 to 42 in six months it was a big shift a big change and we suddenly felt like we were a much bigger organization um, so yeah I thought it was a long-winded answer to question to no, say no. It, 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 it felt like a really lovely kind of small close-knit team and I think it's it still does um, don't get me wrong um, but it's just a different beast when you're suddenly over 100 people yeah no absolutely and I think that's you know it's it's not a long-winded answer because actually it kind of sets the scene to where you were at then and then obviously you know like you said you you had that um cash injection and you knew that that the way forward was to bring lots more people in um so so that's interesting because how when when that happened was there like a right we need to have a clear strategy of who we need in this business and also how we're going to go about getting those people. Um, because, you know, um, finding top talent to your business is really hard. And um, I think sometimes um, smaller sort of scale ups and startups um, worry about um, who they should bring in. And then actually when they know how they're going to, to go out and do that and how they're going to compete as well, potentially with some of the big, um, you know, tech firms and, and things. So was that kind of a clear strategy from the beginning? Yeah, we have a, a, an amazing strategy team here at Kodak who are superiorly more clever than I am and think about all the things that I would never even think of being able to think about. And they work closely with me to define what our growth model looks like, what are our core areas for growth and what sort of people we need to hire and, and when. Um, so that helps drive our hiring plan and we define a hiring plan at the start of every year and it and it gets redefined almost every quarter. Um, but it's, it's really important for us to have a clear path for growth. Mm -hmm. What is interesting for us is when I joined and for that first six to nine months, our strategy towards recruitment very much was utilizing recruitment agencies. My speciality was software engineers, um, but wasn't going to try and fool anyone that I was knowledgeable about how to hire marketing people or salespeople because I just didn't know. I, I could give it a good stab and I knew how to speak to candidates and do candidate experience, but to go out and find people is a whole nother ball game. So, I would focus purely on the engineering side when I had the time to, to focus on recruitment. And then we would just utilize partners that we'd had for a couple of years to do the, the growth across the rest of the business. That shifted as we went into the, the pandemic um, as the market went from a candidate driven market to a, a business driven market. And, and you know hundreds of thousands of people were unfortunately let go from their roles. And we suddenly found that by putting a job on our careers page, we were getting two, three, four hundred applicants in a week suddenly so we stopped needing to rely on recruitment agencies quite quickly and started to need to to manage the strategy of how we could 
deal with that volume of Canada and maintain our, our standard of Canada experience. Yeah. The other side um, was for us ensuring, and, and this, this hasn't changed from day one to today, in uh, that we have an absolute no compromise hiring policy. So when it comes to hiring the right people, we will um, maybe not happily accept, but accept that we will miss perhaps a target or a deadline um, because we haven't got the right people on board. Um, but use that time to focus on hiring the right person or finding the right person. Um, we hire amazing people and have a, an incredibly intelligent driven team. And that comes from making sure that you wait until you find the right person um, rather than just hiring someone because you need someone there and that person turning out to be a, a bad hire and um, and you know that, that uh, that's short-sighted that hurts you in the long run far more than waiting two or three more weeks to find the right person so for us it was about identifying who we needed what sort of roles and then um, taking the time to identify who was going to be right for that role yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting to hear you say about, you know, with with the pandemic and everything, how that sort of um, changed things, I suppose, almost, you know, almost overnight, um, which is which is scary because you have to then be able to pivot and and um, and move with what the market's doing. So it sounds as though you you guys were sort of on top of that and you were you were working with it, you know. Um, and what about employer branding? Was that something that was was on your radar as well as, you know, when you were slightly um smaller scale up kind of you know ready to to hit that traje trajectory it was on the radar for sure um i used to talk a lot about how we're the uh, i thought we were the most exciting startup you never heard of um, <laughs> yeah. and how we uh wanted to do something about that we wanted to get our name out there more and more uh -huh. um, and it's very hard when you're a very very small company and especially when you're a, a b2b middleware infrastructure type business like we are you know we're not a uh, a Monzo or a Starling bank that's going to attract hundreds of thousands of um, individual customers, uh, you know, in a, as a, with a B2C product. So uh -huh. it's far harder to create a name for yourself to a to a candidate market when you're a product that's very orientated towards businesses rather than individuals. So it was on the radar um, for the first nine months of of me being here. It was more a case of us doing all that we could to work with the right partners for recruitment to ensure that we stood out from the crowds by providing excellent uh, interview experiences and candidate journeys um, so that when someone had heard about us they you know, thought this is really exciting um, but it was about getting that that first kind of he hearing about us part that was the challenge um, something that we've done a lot more of in the last 12 months um, now that we've got more people in the people team uh, Zach, who's one of our talent acquisition managers, has worked really hard on this to start creating more content that's going out on LinkedIn, um, to doing lots of like days in the life or sit down conversations with members of the team, um, just trying to put more content into the world that hopefully when someone does hear about us or finds out about us, they want to kind of dive down that rabbit hole and find out and see that we are a, a really cool place to work. Also, especially helps when you've now got a marketing team in place as we now do. They're doing all of um, the work to get our name out there more, obviously towards more of our customer base, but just by doing that helps create a more of awareness of our of our product and our, our business as well. So 
it's a challenge it really is something that we're going to continue to work more and more towards um, we've got a few plans up our sleeve but i think a lot of it is going to come through natural growth um our, our business and our, our product becoming more widely known and, and building our customer base and then the team growing larger and larger so our network generally becoming bigger as well um so it's it's yeah we're not you know you're not going to see tube adverts or code i don't think anytime soon um, um but it's it's about that, that candidate experience i think for us that that's important we um that absolutely you know that resonates so much with us um we always talk about like having a window into your world so um you know kodat's a great place to work and you've got some great um some great benefits and, and inclusions as part of being part of the team there um but you can have all of the best things in the world, you know, and, and if people don't know about it, then it's they don't have that window into your world. And so a lot of the time, um, you know, it's about putting really small steps in place with things like content creation, like you said, and, and just kind of snippets. Um, even on your website, I noticed there was some um, some bits about women in tech, you know, which is obviously a, a very current topic and something that people are genuinely interested in and, and want to know more about. So, um, you know, I think that's that's always good, just giving people that little bit um, of, of a window into your world so that you can understand um, what's going on and what it's like to, to work there a day in the life at Kodak, exactly like you say. Um, and we also find as well, which is interesting that you mentioned about the marketing team, that a lot of the time there's a huge amount of marketing work going on, but, but potentially, you know, focusing on the customer side and the client side. Um, and actually, it, it's still about the people, isn't it? It's still about the people working within Kodak. So that, that content is probably, I'm not saying in Kodak's case, but with many scale-ups, we say, actually, the content might already be there. It's just about how you're using it. So it's not about just your brand. It's about your employer brand as well. And they kind of go hand in hand, which um, sometimes I think potentially companies don't do enough of, you know, making sure that they are working um, in collaboration. Um, but it sounds as though you've got some good things planned. And like you said, with, with the move to New York as well, there's um, a lot of exciting things going on. So uh, lots to be talking about. Um, Absolutely. And then uh, just thinking out, uh, you know, how you kind of um, do stand out from from those big companies like you've mentioned, you know, you might not be as big as as Monzo or, or that sort of um, that sort of level of name. But um, you've also had huge success in bringing people on board. And um, so how how do you think you can? Um, is there any kind of processes, I suppose, that you you would say that you could look at even technologies that you've seen as successful um, for those scale-ups that are at the start of their journey that they might consider investing in or, or putting in place? Yeah, um, I think technology plays a part, but actually I think that a lot of it comes down to you as an individual taking a real personal approach. Mm -hmm. um, for, for us, as I've, as I've alluded to, providing the right candidate experience is the, the most important thing, I think, in my eyes, for growing effectively. Yeah. Um, for, I think it's far too common, unfortunately, these days to interview for a company um, and then not hear anything back for a week or two weeks. Uh, and, and then even if you're kind of told that you're progressing or you are off the roll, it's not a great experience, uh, especially when you're rejected. I think it's really frustrating when you waited all that time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the, the data is out there that says that we as individuals tend to make a decision on some within five or 10 minutes of meeting that person. So why should it take five hours or five days um, or five weeks to, to let that individual know that you, you thought they were good or not? It doesn't make any sense to me. So we take an approach to candidate experience, which I um, called hand-holding, but funnily enough, I, I met someone yesterday who described it as white glove treatment, which I really like. I'd never really thought about it that way, which is very much um, kind of guiding the candidates through our, our interview experience personally. So we do everything in our power to communicate verbally or face-to-face -face with all candidates as much as we possibly can, whether that be introducing them to the business, talking to them about the role, understanding more about them, uh, providing them with feedback, letting them know that we've scheduled them for an interview. Um, we'll follow up everything with, with email so they have it in writing as well, but it's about having that personal touch of getting a, a phone call. I want, to, I want by the end of that journey, that person to feel like they've already made a connection with the talent team. They've got someone at Coda that they know really well because they've spoken several times. We then move forward into an interview process where we uh, will never have more than two face-to-face -face stages. I think that drawing interview um, stages out is is totally unnecessary. Making candidates through jump through too many hoops is unnecessary. You've got to be um, seamless and streamlined, especially versus competition where there are companies who will uh, regularly introduce multiple stages where you're just finding you're repeating yourself to just somebody new you know what are, what is that ca company actually learning differently from that interview stage and that's we often will say um you know if we if we wanted to interview that candidate again you know, someone say i think i might need to speak to that person again the first question will be what are you hoping to learn from another conversation what do you hope to gain from speaking to them again quite often the, the answer is oh, I, I don't know actually i i'm nothing and it's like okay well we don't need that stage then um and i think that's really important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for us we also have introduced what i've loosely coined hosting hangouts during yeah, the pandemic that which is, fun. <laughs> uh, it's terrible um but um what's what's really positive in my eyes is i've spoken to probably hundreds of candidates in the last 12 months and still haven't heard anybody say that they've seen any other company doing this. So for us, what we, when we, what we wanted to do when we decided to start hiring at the start of the pandemic, so I think I could hear myself breathing. When we decided we were gonna start hiring remotely at the beginning of the pandemic, we thought, well, what can we do to in somewhat replicate what it would be like if they'd come in to meet us in an office? You know, for, for us, I'd always ensure that we as a people team were the ones that were greeting candidates when they arrived. Um, doing little things like offering tea, coffee, water, then sitting down with them in our little reception area and making small talk. And that was a very purposeful exercise to put that candidate at ease, uh -huh. to try and let them settle and relax for a moment because it's scary coming in for an interview. People get nervous and actually sometimes those nerves really affect your performance. And we want to see the best of an individual. We don't want to see them really struggling through an, in an interview. So we would sit with them for five or 10 minutes, make small talk, try and make them feel at ease. Hopefully just kind of let them settle and go, you know what, I'm here now, it's okay. I can breathe and now I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that's worked really well um, when, when we've done it in person. It was like, well, how can we do that now that we're doing it remotely? So we introduced hosting Hangouts and we use Google Hangouts, hopefully that's clear um, for our video calls. And 
So what that looks like is uh, someone from the people team will join that Hangout call first, welcome the candidate into the interview, make small talk with them for a few minutes, make sure we can see and hear them if they're doing a presentation, make sure they know how to use Google Hangouts and how to present their screen, make sure there's no technical difficulties, make that candidate feel at ease um, from the start. Now, I, I think this is even more important when you are interviewing remotely because You've just got that nature now where you just click join that call and you're just immediately an interview. And I think that's yeah, just bizarre, yeah. like that concept of, yeah. of, of kind of the immediate start and that pressure. So that, that's kind of the purpose here. When we're ready, we would then slack the interviewers saying we're ready and the, and the interviewers join the call. Um, and only when we've said that we're ready for them and then the people team will leave. We also do this at the end as well. So when the interview is ended, the interviewers will slack us back saying we're ready for you to rejoin. And we come back in and we do a, a wrap up or a, or a debrief at the end of the call, almost acting as a bit of a kind of a mediator between yeah, that yeah. candidate and the company. Of course, it's weird because we work here. So um, we always kind of almost joke about the fact that we've got this kind of strange bias, of course, um, but the candidate should really view us as, as, as being on their side. You want to make sure that they're getting as much out of this experience as we are. So any any further questions they have, anything they didn't feel comfortable asking in an interview itself or anything they'd like to know more generally about Coda as a business that's going to help them aid their decision. You know, if it's a final interview, I will always say, you know, at this point, we've done everything that we want to do to decide whether or not you're right for us or not. But this is a two way street. Absolutely. We may make you an offer, but you may not have all the information you need to decide whether we're the right company for you. So please take this opportunity to ask any question you could possibly think of to help you aid that decision. Um, and that sometimes could be a two minute conversation. Sometimes it could be a 45 minute conversation. It doesn't matter for us because I think that's super important that that candidate gets that level of experience. After that interview, we would then hold what we call hiring committees. So we um, do these if we immediately after the interview, if not within kind of 15 minutes or, or, or half an hour of an interview ending, where we get everybody that's been involved in that interview process together and we get immediate feedback. Um, we hear directly from them. We prioritize the order of feedback from um, most junior up to most senior um, on purpose because we don't want anyone feeling like they need to influence their feedback because their manager has said something differently to what they were thinking. Great point, yeah. And then we would then feed back to the candidate immediately after that hiring committee. So in an ideal world, and quite often we manage to achieve this, that candidate will have had feedback from us within an hour of their interview ending about whether it went well or not. That is fantastic, yeah. Um, if it's gone well and there's a further stage, we would then say, you know, this is what the first, next stage is. I'm going to send you an email letting you know that information. I need you to just let me know when you're available and I'll get you scheduled in immediately. And then we would just repeat the process all over again. I think that's enabled us to be really successful with our growth and it's enabled us to stand out versus the competition a lot. We have had several candidates say, you know, I can't believe how quickly you've moved, how efficient you are with your hiring. I've been waiting several weeks to hear back from X huge company with amazing brand awareness. Um, and you know what, I'm going to go with you guys instead because I really love that you treat um, us like people like humans um, and we want to work for an organization like that um, so it's working hopefully it continues to work touch wood um, <laughs> it's a lot of uh, uh, effort it's a huge really resource intensive um, but it's totally totally worth it in my opinion mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean that that sounds like fantastic advice and also um you know a great process to have in place because whilst it might be resource heavy and potentially cost a little bit more um in some way you know it's it's completely getting away from a couple of things really um first of all that sort of bums on seats approach where you're just filling the role with a person who may then not be right for the business for whatever reason and and then you may have to go back to starting that process all over again but then also, um, I think people um, or companies, whatever size, maybe take for granted that, um, you know, you you want you need to want the candidate to work for you. But like you said, they need to also they want to work for you as well as you want them to work. Sorry for you. So um, it's got to be a two way street, hasn't it? Absolutely. And I, I don't know statistically, but from everything you've just said, I would imagine that for all of those roles that you've been putting out and candidates that you've been speaking to one you get to offer stage you're probably not having many of them then say no and and you're starting the process all over again um, with job descriptions and posts and things like that so you know I think that's I think that's really really helpful um you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, the reason why we're called a people team rather than a HR team is because humans are not resources we are people, people. Mm, absolutely and, um, I think one of the things that we do a lot of is uh, ensuring that we continuously remind ourselves that we are all adults we're all grown-ups and people should just be treated that way I, uh-huh. I think uh, we could all probably relate to working for a company at some point in the past where it's felt like we've been treated like children or or policed like we're at school still um, and really kind of dictated upon about when we could take a lunch break or how we can um, go outside or or um, or, or you know some sort of arbitrary rule that just seems to be in place for no reason at all yeah. um we do as much of the opposite of that as possible to 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 show not only trust but just faith in the in the team that like you've been hired for a reason we know that you're going to be able to do an amazing job let's just do it now um and yeah. let's not worry about all the silly pernickety little rules or 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 um, or kind of guidelines that you need to put in place sometimes. And I think that that comes down to recruitment in the same way. If you treat people like people, they respect you and they, they look after you as well. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and so just to finish, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you've got in store um, at Coda over the next you know, months and, and year. Um, you're obviously continuing to grow um and with some some exciting new locations as well so um what can we expect to see from from you and the team at Kodak? yeah it's uh the last 12 months have been amazing um as you said we i think we almost tripled in size in 12 months so it's it's been very fun and our plan is to not slow down really so our hiring plan currently as it stands sees us grow to um, past 200 people this year so we're, we're pretty much doubling in size again in 2021 we are going to be focusing a lot on the US uh, now that we've got that presence over there. So the team in New York is currently five. They're probably going to be about 45 or 50 people by the end of the year. Um, we suspect that we may have a small presence uh, in San Francisco as well. We've, we've already got our VP of sales based out there. So it makes sense for him to have a small sales team based around the valley over there. Uh, London's going to grow um considerably again as well uh, our, our london offices probably over 50 or 60 percent uh software engineers now and you know it's our, our technology hub and i think that's really important for us to have that in-house technology team 
Um, so we're going to see that. We, we've got our eyes on potentially a couple of other regions. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all will be revealed um, and some, new, some more other exciting things on the horizon as well that um, I'm sure you probably will hear about soon enough if you continue to, to follow Kodak along the journey. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot more of the same. Um, but uh, for us, that's, that's always exciting. I, um, uh, I have become a bit of a cliche in that I find myself continuously saying now is the most exciting time to join Kodak. And I have genuinely been saying that for about three and a half years. Um, <laughs> and I still believe it to this day, uh, just because something new is happening. It's, it was a different reason why it was exciting to join when there was 10 people. It's a different reason why it's exciting to join now when there's 120 of us. Um, yeah. yeah the the us function is um uh, you know extremely exciting um also a little scary because it's a little unknown for us um i think many of the team including myself are looking forward to the restrictions starting to lift and us being able to travel over there and see the team and and really continue to make sure that they feel like they are a part of kodat rather than just a, a satellite office which is absolutely not our intention at all we want everyone to feel like they are Kodak no matter where in the world they're working. Um, so having them fly to London and having the London team fly out to the US is going to be a big part of that, I believe. So that's really exciting as well. And, um, and and many, many opportunities coming along as well for personal and professional development. As we scale, we see many, many people who are perhaps the first of a function as we've scaled some new parts of business that are now stepping into lead roles to manage those teams and grow those functions out or multiple opportunities for people to step into other more senior positions whether they stay or remain uh, individual contributors or, or end up leading a team of some sorts um, as you naturally scale those people that are here uh, are front and foremost uh, in line to be selected for those promotions and so we talk a lot about there being a world of opportunities at Kodak. So um, I'm very, very excited about what the next 12, 24 months looks like, even beyond that. Um, and uh, I think that we will be uh, a far bigger and um, more, even more exciting company by the end of this year. And um, and I'll be still saying now is the most exciting time to join. <laughs> well, you just said, um, you know, it'll be a lot of the same, but the same sounds pretty impressive so far. So may it continue. Exactly. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah, the same is fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just doing a lot more of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for giving us your time today and your insight. It's been absolutely um, really helpful to, to anyone watching and, um, you know, those scale ups, like I said, that are really at the start of their journey and, um, and want to know where to go from here. So, so thank you very much. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Thanks so Tom. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye.